0: Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hello,
1: everyone. Stuck? Are you here? And I'm Gabby. And welcome back to the podcast, my hoes. Now, today we have a little bit of a special episode. I mean, I guess everything is special when we're kind of covering it. I don't know. I find pretty much everything in here to be interesting. It's just, for me, when I say, like, oh, it's a special episode, it's like, is it really special, or is it, like, something that I think it's neat, and everyone else doesn't really necessarily care, but they they like how passionate I am about it.
2: (laughs) I think you've found your people. I mean, some of these episodes have been weird. Like, you went so in-depth into potatoes and Dude, tomatoes potato- to and this day it's still people's
1: favorite episode. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, it's it's like and the everyone loves it.
2: I feel like the Crusades, they went on and okay, on and on and on right. and no, no, I'm not judging.
1: Yeah, I, guess, I know. You know. The, the Crusades one went on for quite a while. That's true. But today, today is special because today's episode is actually something that is essentially is created by, by her. Now, if you, if you can't see what I'm doing right now, if, like, you're listening on Spotify or Apple or any of those, like, uh, I, I'm pointing physically at my wife. At me. Right here next to me. If you're on YouTube and you're physically seeing us here, awesome. Hey. Yeah, I know I'm pretty. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. But what we're doing is we have the History of Everything podcast YouTube channel. So it's just the YouTube version of this podcast. It's where I put the short-form content content. Of this podcast, like a little in-depth, like five to eight minute video covering a specific topic. Like the one that just went up today is the story of the cane toads in Australia. Which,
2: honestly, what is up with Australia and their animal problems? Because like we've had emus, we've had, what, what else have the rabbits?
1: Cane toads, rabbits emus, and there was also one with foxes, if I recall correctly. Also, you know,
2: there's just the fact that everything in Australia actually just wants to kill you.
1: Yeah, which is really ironic for the cane toads, right? Because, and this is a little side bit, like, obviously, it's not the topic of what we're talking about today, but I have to give this little tidbit for anyone that wants to check it out. The cane toads, right? These are toads that are poisonous, not venomous, poisonous, because they're, they, their body exudes a toxin through at all stages of life. So like whether it is a tadpole or whether it is a full grown toad, all of it is toxic. So that means that even at the earliest stage, nothing is capable of eating them. So they are a creature specifically designed for a hostile environment like Australia, where everything wants to kill you. And nothing can kill and eat it. So, so it just explodes I mean, in population.
2: Hindsight is twenty twenty, but honestly, I can't imagine somebody, one person at least, didn't go, hey, this doesn't seem like the oh, best correct, idea. Correct,
1: And that's actually one of the things that I cover in it. But if you want to know more details, you need to check out the video. Uh, other than that, today's episode, the reason, I, I got off topic, the reason, the reason why this whole thing is special is because this one was created by my wife, because she wanted to start going into different topics that, well, she found particularly interesting. So Gabby, I have to ask him, why did you pick this one? Or do you want to go ahead and explain to people what it is we're going to be talking about?
2: Well, we're covering Spartan women, because I think Spartan society is a hot topic. Everybody loves these Spartans. They were a you know, warlike society, and but it, it really emphasizes men a lot of the time. And like obviously, they were pretty badass. We know they were amazing warriors. But also there were other members of society. And the Spartan societal structure, I think, is really interesting. So I was just curious to see how exactly women played a part in the society if they focused on physical fitness. I mean, I'm not a physically fit person. I'm not about to wrestle someone in an arena for a husband. But they did. Wait, hold on. In a sense. In a sense. Women trained um, in physical prowess just, you know, in order to... Show off how strong they were because the stronger your wife was, the more chance you would have of having a strong warrior, which is honestly all they were about. They were just about creating more men to fight. So
1: So here's the thing for anyone that may be a little bit confused uh when we talk about this. Just this is just a little preview so you're aware. Uh Spartans were the original like eugenics program. The,
2: Unfortunately, I, yeah. I mean, I was telling some people at work about one aspect of this one of the responsibilities of the spartan woman which was to i don't want to spoil it but it was pretty barbaric and it involved a rock and dropping fragile beings and they were they were they were not okay my co-workers are like what yeah (laughs) because you just don't expect it i mean obviously if you think of a society where it's all about fitness physical fitness physical strength what happens to people who aren't physically fit
1: it's a matter of taking things to the logical extreme yeah
2: unfortunately it's not pretty i don't go into too much detail um but it's there you'll see there
1: so (laughs) as she said what we're going to talk about today is spartan women so as we probably did learn, again, Sparta was a very much uh, a warrior society in ancient Greece, right? So Sparta, which is also known as Lacedaemon, or Lacedaemon? Damon?
2: Oh, I I'm did probably, not look up the pronunciation. I'm probably going
1: to butcher that. I'm pretty sure it's Lacedaemon, because Damon well, is came like... Yeah,
2: Laconia. Yeah, so, Laconia.
1: Yeah. So if you have Lacedaemon, this was an ancient Greek city-state that was located in the very southern reaches of Greece in a place called Laconia, right? So the population of Sparta, essentially you had three different groups, right? You had the Spartans or the Spartiates. Uh, these were the full citizens. Then you had the helots who were the serfs or slaves. And then you have a class of people in between. Now I've seen it called several different things. The term that I always used was the perioikoi. And I, I say that specifically the perioikoi because it's like the peoples who were, who were the like perosi or periosi. The, the, the idea behind it was these were the, the middle men. So if you have three different classes of people and you had three different jobs, you had warrior, slave, and people who did everything else. That's yeah, pretty it. Much, pretty that much. That is the entirety of society. But also the
2: people who did everything else were, I think they were not citizens either. Correct.
1: And correct. they were
2: not slaves because the helots were the slaves and they did pretty much all the menial tasks. Correct. And then this other group, the period. Well, what you I talking? called it
1: the perioicoi. And the reason I even say that for anyone that might jump on me from it, I, the reason that sticks around in my head is because you remember Rome 2 Total War?
2: No, can't say that like, I have. Uh, I do.
1: Yeah. okay. I know, I know you're screwing with me there, but in Rome 2 Total War, I still remember when I would learn a number of the things for pronunciation because that's the, one of the first time I read so much of the stuff, but you hear it said for the first time in different forms of media. And then you're like, oh, wait, is that how that's pronounced? And so as a result of playing so many of the different things between the, uh, like, as the Spartans in that, it's the perioikoi like the perioikoi uh, hoplites, the javelin men, et Because at time during some times of war, they were drafted into combat, just not usually. You you typically did not want them to be. It was like a desperate thing to pretty much have to. I mean, the helots were. Perioikoi was a bit more regular, but it depends. I'm getting way off topic here what again. What their
2: name meant is they were just dwellers around. They were not, you know, they didn't necessarily belong.
1: Those dudes over there. Yeah. Like, these are the Spartans. Just, these
2: middlemen, like, they exist. They do crafts. They're... I guess, traitors.
1: They were everything, but they're
2: not us and they're not beneath us. They're just,
1: Oh no, they were definitely beneath. Well,
2: everyone was beneath the Spartans. Come on. Are we kidding?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how they would do it. So the, the idea behind it, right. Is that you have, of course, the warriors, the every male Spartan citizen, was a warrior. They were a citizen soldier. And that was their job. They were a soldier. That was everything. They didn't do anything for farming. They didn't do anything for any kind of pottery or uh, any kind of craft. No sculpting. Nothing. They were a warrior. That is it. The perioikoi. You would have the perioikoi who were the smiths. They were the potters. Like they were the person they would make your armor. They would make your weapon. They would make the Everything. But they wouldn't typically fight unless they absolutely had to. But the Spartans typically didn't want the Perioikoi or the Helots to be fighting because if you trained the people that you oppress, oh, to fight, actually
2: that's in here. <laughs> the Helots outnumbered the Spartans by a. Re- Ridiculous amount. I'm forgetting the actual numbers, which is pretty bad because I wrote this, but I wrote it a while ago. They were outnumbered, so everything that they did to these helots was specifically to keep them under control, and they treated them horribly. They broke. Oh my
0: god, so bad.
2: I mean, Spartan society is so glorified, romanticized. I want you to dig into it. I'm not discrediting them. They did what they had to do given their circumstances, but wow.
1: Yeah. It's one of those ex- I always say this when it comes to history. It's uh, not great. Different people's and groups and cultures and things, we demonize and glorify so much in history. But the reality of the situation, as we've probably learned already with the history of everything, is that generally speaking, people have been pretty shitty in the past. <laughs> we're we're it's all just one giant story of people being shitty to one another. That's pretty much history is how it goes. But as she said, the Perioikoi, these were like the people who meant the dwellers around. They were the ones who were all around society and they made everything for the Spartans. Because the Spartan or the Spartans, Sparta as a state, like this entire entity was built on loyalty and military service. That was the entire thing. So from the age of seven or was it six? Seven. Seven. Seven years old. So it was from the age of seven, uh, boys would be required to take part in something called the Agogi, which is a rigorous state-sponsored education program. Imagine if like the second graders, like you just went into a class of second graders in an elementary school, right? You pulled them all out and you shipped them off to a military barracks where they have to fight each other for position, for food, for everything. The entire point of this programming, of this training, everything was... It was like, if you mixed survival training with drugs and gym class...
2: Okay, he is not joking. Like, they would not... They had to get their own food. They had to Mm -hmm. fight for food. They had to fight each other. I mean, physical, like, violence. It was violent. It wasn't just like a, oh, let's wrestle. Here's some... Sticks, no, they actually tried to injure each other, and that is how they like placed as like warriors. Were they like the toughest, like from a very like, imagine at the age of seven, like when we send our kids to school now, we're like, Oh, I hope the other kids are nice to them, I hope they don't get bullied, and they send their kids to be bashed. I'm not sure if you
1: covered it in here, but they uh, one of the things that was done was that boys were purposefully given less food than they would actually need in order to encourage them to steal food and fight others for food.
2: So I didn't go into like all of that detail on the training cuz I didn't want to crowd up the entire it's podcast. It's we can't make the
1: entire thing about the Spartan men. We've got Exactly.
2: So I I would love to do another podcast on just Spartan society as a whole because there is so much there to is. dig into. There's I just had to pick out like the key main points so people could just get a general yeah. picture and how women would fit into this society oh you're entirely right i started actually another word document that was just like different things about spartan society that are really cool that we should definitely talk about
1: mind you and again for anyone that's going to jump on us we're saying cool as a very like oh this is an interesting thing to learn about not approval this has been an issue in the past where i've said like oh man that's badass but it's something that was pretty bad but it was like crazy or great that it happened like, not oh, great yeah. as in good. I great. cry
2: very easily. Like, at no point in this am I like, wow, that is horribly violent and very, very mean. You mean like the last I episode approve. with the
1: serial killer in
0: Russia?
2: Yeah, like, I absolutely, I am not, no. I just yeah. think it is fascinating that their society implemented this, survived this, and grew from it somehow. Yeah. It's just... Fascinating. We're Fascinating, going to I guess, use is the, the
1: term word. "grow lightly" here because well, that's yeah. one of the crazy things is that it didn't really grow beyond. My, I mean, by nature of what it was, it couldn't really do so. I mean, we'll probably get into that for so for the why. The thing
2: is, when I went into writing this, I had to read up so much. Because I actually don't know much about the Spartans, apart from like the movie 300, which I've been told (laughs) is one of the most (laughs) accurate depictions of Spartans. Uh, That you can find on the internet, right, Steve? mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Yeah, for mm -hmm. sure. Oil and all. I actually had to do a lot of research, and I I couldn't—it was really hard for me to—there are a lot of articles. Like, when I was reading through articles, journals— People wanted to glorify them in ways where I was like, This is really spinning this in too positive <laughs> yeah, of a life. Let yeah. me just look that up on another source. And then that source was like more realistic sounding. It was really hard to find that balance because yeah. between different, and I'm not knocking anyone, all of these people had like degrees and they, you know, they obviously were experts. There's a tendency but when it comes to history. Obviously, to do everybody things. has their lens. And I also tried really hard to just portray this and like as there were things I just completely left out because like that sounds like just full on The wording. Yeah. It's really.
1: Well, welcome to a lot of history. We covered that before with, um, with like people. Oh, you have to use the terminology like, Oh, they think that it meant this. It could have been this because a lot of stuff in history is speculation based off the evidence that they find.
2: Oh no. They were like Spartan women actually were encouraged to grab other like men to have kids with. And I, I was trying to find more stuff on that. I couldn't find, I just left, a lot of stuff. up, But yeah. anyway, let's jump into let's it. Because say, yeah, we yeah. Just we, we're we're going to keep on
1: going into <laughs> tangents about different things in here. It's just the way that it goes down. But like, OK, so the, the short of it is that the Spartan men from this young age, they were taught discipline, endurance and being loyal to the state. Loyalty and discipline came before everything else. And that includes family. Family didn't really matter. I mean, it, it sounds kind of crazy to us, but that was normal in this society because the hell as we spoke about. These were the captives from Laconia, Messenia, and essentially anywhere that the Spartans managed to capture slaves from during their times of war, which was often, they were often raiding for different things during the war season in order to be able to get captives to use. And these were from peoples who had been conquered by the Spartans and turned into slaves. The word helot itself actually means captive. That, that's just what it is. And helots would play this really vital role in Spartan society because they would handle all the tasks that kept society running. They did everything. The farmers, they were the servants. They were the nurses. They were the military attendant. They would carry all the stuff that the warriors would need. They would do everything, all unskilled labor roles. And maybe even a couple skilled ones were filled by them. Whereas the true skilled roles, like with the actual artisans that was done by the perioikoi. And this is where I think it goes to how uh, outnumbered they were.
2: Well, yeah, but the thing is, having the hell out's actually enabled the women to take on more of those, like, leadership roles in government and society and business.
1: Hey, everyone, Sakuya here, and before we get back to the show, I would just like to thank today's sponsor, eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Because they they didn't didn't have to do anything with the kids.
2: Exactly. And also, you raise your kids at the age of seven, you send them off. I mean, you obviously still have daughters, but at that point, you can train your daughter to help you with whatever else. And it just, honestly... I'm going to send all of my sons to boarding school. Wait,
1: are you implying that we're going to get helots ourselves? that we're going to? Gabby? No, 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 Gabby, no, no, that no, is no, not- no, no, no,
2: no, 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 I said I'm sending my kids to boarding school. I did not. Oh,
1: to boarding school? Yeah. Some Wait, why did I react stronger to boarding school than I did to the other yeah, idea? Yeah, I'm
2: concerned. Like, like, we should really, you should reflect <laughs> on that.
1: <laughs> I get, okay, I get it. The gist is, the gist is, is that, yeah, Helots did allow the Spartan women to do all the things that they were able to do that in other societies they couldn't because there was so much less that had to be taken care of themselves, right? And these Helots always had to be kept under control. The Spartans would use all different kinds of humiliation tactics to make the Helots lower or seem lower than what they actually were, which they were lesser in society to the Spartans, but they would have them do things like drink until they were inebriated and make fools of themselves in public. In addition, they would kill Helots that were too smart or too fit. In fact, there was something else that they would do here. Um, Every year, there was a culling.
2: I'm going to need you... To go into more detail, because I didn't.
1: The gist is, is that by tradition, a young Spartan trying to be a warrior would have to kill a helot. So one of the ways that they could train, and like in in different techniques such as sneaking, like sabotage, like these kinds of things, their their skills as a hunter and a warrior is that they would sneak up up, up onto a helot and murder them.
2: Okay, so s- they thought they could prove. Okay, if, if I'm getting this right, they thought they could prove their prowess as a warrior by sneaking up on someone who isn't armed and killing them.
1: Oh, it was all because they'd be un- unarmed too. It's not like they're going out in full armor and just like, oh yes, I'm challenging this this puny slave here. Like, no, no, they they would go out. It's like hunting them down.
2: Ah. Uh- this sounds like something out of, like, a dystopian novel. Sporn society very... pretty much was. I love that for them. <laughs> love that for them.
1: It pretty much was, right? All of this, all of this is just done as an effort to not only separate the two, like, because you don't want them interacting as much, and simultaneously to make sure that the Helots knew that they were the lesser of society. That was, like, the idea of it. Now, again, you're probably thinking to yourself from this, like, okay, where did the women come in? Because you all are here. We, we've spent this whole time talking about the role of men, and we've kind of mentioned the stuff for women. But what did the women do here? Why, why, why is this supposed to be about them? Well, we had to give background information, as you said, to kind of set the stage so that people could understand what life in Sparta was like so that you could understand what the women of this time would experience, right? Because the women did not participate in the Agogi. They were, they were not being sent there at the age of seven to fight each other. They had no official actual role in the Spartan military, but they were given a formal education that was separate from the boys, and it wasn't done in a school, you see in Sparta, women had full citizenship rights. The women of Sparta would have more rights and independence than pretty much any other greek city state This was actually a bit of a contentious thing for a lot of different groups because many people, especially the Athenians, looked down upon the uh the Spartans as being like controlled by their women effectively
2: okay, yes, Aristotle homie really let me down. <laughs> Like no. he, he, oh, a he Greek did, philosopher
1: out of Athens okay. let you down. He did
2: reside in a, a, uh, Athens for most of his life. Yeah. So when he saw the uh, Spartan woman who basically ruled their man, like they were in charge, they ran the businesses, they inherited land, they owned properties, they wore short skirts. Oh and my God! Not the skirts. Participated in physical like trials. <gasps> He said that they were destroying, like they were causing the decline of Spartan society. Oh. Now, I'm sure lots of things cause a decline of Spartan society. And I don't think this was it.
1: The inability to change was really the big thing. Oh, um, well,
2: I mean, they practice eugenics. You re- people historically who have practiced eugenics are really bad at allowing change. You can look at it. Yeah. You could just look that up.
1: Yeah. Because the, uh, the just is in Athens... I mean, women were property, basically. Like that, they they were owned by their husband.
2: And they also married younger. The women, they didn't get as much freedom. They couldn't really own land. They had to wear long formal clothing. They had to have long hair. Spartan women cut that off. Like they did not. They got married. They sliced their hair off. They lived like that.
1: It's not good to be pulled. Yeah. I mean, honestly,
2: if you're fighting someone, first thing you gotta do is tie your hair up. Like it's just it gets in the way. First thing I do, not that I've been in many fights. But the ones I have been in, you got to yank the, if they're wearing earrings, yank that off. You got to yank the hair. I'm just, I'm just saying, it's better to just cut it off, you know?
1: You're not wrong. (laughs) You're not wrong. And like this whole thing comes from the idea, like, not only could they do all this stuff with businesses, right? But since the men were so often away at war, that was their entire point of existence. Spartan women were going to be in charge of... Pretty much anything that was left behind. You had the roles in the government. You had agriculture, city planning, all different kinds of tasks associated with it. In other states, as we established, like Athens, the women were basically second-class citizens. But in Sparta, the women basically ruled the men. Like, they didn't actually rule the men, but it's like while the men were fighting, they did everything else that kept society running and functioning. So the laws of Sparta had been reformed by a guy called King Lycurgus, or Lycurgus, I believe is what it is. I think it's Kyrgyz. Lycurgus is how it is. And that was in the 9th century BC. He emphasized the importance of equality among all citizens. Girls were to be given the same physical fitness regimen as boys, though they weren't going to be trained in any kind of... Arms, like in any military fighting or Greek warfare, anything like that. But they would be educated at the same level at home while the boys would attend public school. Women would use their athletic skills in order to kind of attract a male suitor, and they would compete in sports competitions in order to showcase their athletic prowess that was considered attractive for a Spartan wife, which I love because it's such a fitting thing of a logical conclusion. What they would do is... You wanted the women trained and strong. You wanted them smart. You wanted them strong. You wanted them to be the best because with eugenics, they believed that I hate that we're actually spinning that in a positive light because of how horrible the things have happened in history associated with it. But they specifically believed that if you had a strong, educated woman, that she would give birth to strong sons who would be great warriors. Which, I mean, it's it's a logical sequence of, like, thoughts to follow. It really does make sense. But, like, that's... Could you imagine having... You
2: would be a horrible Spartan. First of all, you picked the least athletic wife you could find. The smallest one you could find. And at least for the I mean, no one tall. you can find. Well, yeah, I'm tall, but I'm not particularly strong.
1: Our three-year-old daughter is bigger than, like, all the boys of her class. That is true. Right? But like, the that's because I'm tall. <laughs> yeah, okay, but then we could say, like, okay, no, I married you for height, right? I, I If she carries my chest and everything else in there, she's going to be a beast. Well, yeah. I, she you, could be a volleyball you, player. What,
2: when she hits the age of seven, you need to give her some trial by. Combat it, training.
1: She's already doing trials by combat, yeah. essentially, in there with all the different... She, <laughs> we, I got her a sword when we went to Sweden, uh, and she loves hitting me with that thing. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yes, combat. <laughs> it's not like a real sword. Before anyone jumps on me for this, it's not a real sword. It's a wooden sword. I got her a wooden sword and shield, and she loves using it.
2: But yeah, they had to fight each other, basically. They had to show that they were athletic, that they were strong, that they were fast. Yep. so they could you know be chosen as the mate of a person it's actually kind of condescending if you think about it like honestly they're not getting married for their brains or their beauty which is also awful i guess but
1: hey if one in that is physically fit they're more likely to be more attractive
2: i guess guess in that case i don't know it's just it's really weird this whole thing seems like how you would pick like a horse to mate with another horse yep, so that nope, you that get is definitely the get the fastest idea. racehorse for the Kentucky Derby.
1: Men were basically the property of the state.
2: Well, yeah. That's any what they mili- were. Aren't, Even to this day, aren't men or women in the military property of the government that well, they not serve?
1: property necessarily, but once you're in there, you are. they say you're owned by the government because you're with them for a contracted amount of time. So, All of
2: my friends in the military say that they're owned by the yeah, military. Yeah, that, that's the so joke. I just assume like they, they were automatically really owned by the military.
1: No, because there are ways to get out. There, there are. It's just there's not many. And the thing is you are contractually obligated to fulfill your obligation to the state. OK, I so. found
2: out recently. I'm so sorry. This is another tangent. I found out recently. You know how many times I've almost signed up for the military, right? Yeah, you have
1: almost signed me up right. like five times. And my friends I- were
2: like, Gabby, why would you join the military? You can't just leave. And I'm like, what do you mean? If I didn't like it, I'd put in my two weeks. And they were like, Gabby, you can't put in your two weeks for the United States Army.
1: This is just this little tidbit as a thing <laughs> from all of you, because that, 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 that did happen. She also, one night when drunk on a job that I worked previously that was a very rough time for us, decided to sign me up for every single branch of the military.
2: I signed myself up, too. I was like, we can be a military power couple. Downside. Nobody wanted me. No, I didn't oh, no, get no, one no, call. No, they
1: did. They did. They did.
2: Well, the, for science, but yeah. like nothing else. And I didn't think, I think like I couldn't get in because I have health issues, but.
1: No, but the Air Force looked at you.
2: Well, the Air Force, it's the Air Force.
1: Yeah, because you're the brains. That's what they wanted.
2: Well, yeah. But everybody wanted him. And to this day, I will not live that down.
1: No, I just still remember for months after I got letters, I got emails i got phone calls i got texts i got everything from the navy the army the air force the coast guard Didn't you space force
2: as that one test
1: yeah i did take that test and you
2: did really well so they I, probably saw that those scores right?
1: yeah that's probably in the record from when i did it initially because i don't know they, how
2: this works i'm just assuming
1: Yeah, the recruiter looked at me at that point and asked, like, why the hell are you here? You should be in an officer's program. And I was it's when I was looking at it like, oh, I don't know if I was going to be able to do stuff with college. I panicked like my freshman year and went and thought I would sign up for the military because I was so afraid of putting myself and my family in debt.
2: (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) we went on a really long tangent. I am so sorry.
1: Anyway, so the gist is when we're going and we're talking about the military here again, right? The or not even the military, like the Spartans. What ended up happening is that while the women were having to do all of this, the Helots would take care of everything else and Spartan women would be able to raise and take care of their children and lead the next generation because like Kyrgyz, he believed that the most powerful thing, the best thing in society was motherhood because they were the ones that were raising the next generation of warriors who would be able to fight. They would be doing everything. And Spartan women were very proud of their children. They were expected to honor the city-state. They were expected to extol virtuous behavior, to do everything. And at the same time, these women would be running the farm or the estate or managing finances or all the other aspects of business that would be occurring while the men were frequently away at war. Like, they would be doing all of that. But one of the interesting things to note is that, as Gabby said, In comparison to other Greek city-states where women were typically marrying very early in their teens, Spartan women typically married later. Like, we're talking 19 or 20, which for many nowadays will still say, oh, that's early. But at that point, that is probably the healthiest thing that you could have done. So, one of the reasons, historically, as to why people had children early is because people died early, so they would have children earlier, but the ironic thing is about hot by having children earlier, you were more likely to die because your body wasn't fully developed and ready to go at that point. So marriage, childbirth, all these different things were generally safer and healthier for the mother and for the baby, which that is actually, I do want to put it in as a little side note, slight misconception we talk like this may have been occurring at that time for like teens and that is something throughout all of history but people think that in like the seventeen and eighteen hundreds and all the stuff that that was still occurring like oh no or like in the medieval ages really like oh my god no they were marrying at the age of twelve was generally it speaking no the nobles the nobles were primarily the ones that were doing that and they weren't even married they were marrying but they weren't consummating the marriage until the person was older specifically because the marriage was about tying the two families together for an alliance that's what that was all about it was about property and everything else peasants were typically marrying much later because it was safer and that's just something that they did
0: some of us love history others used to or never did because history was presented as nothing but the rote memorization of names dates and facts Basically, the story got left out, and that made history kind of suck. My name is Greg Jackson. I'm a university professor with a PhD in history, and bringing history to life is my passion. That's why I created my podcast, History That Doesn't Suck. I want to teach you everything you need to know about U.S. history, but I do so through stories. Let me tell you about George Washington begging his men not to mutiny against Congress, Clara Barton saving Union soldiers amid enemy fire. Enslaved Frederick Douglass risking his life for liberty, and about so many other figures as their real experiences make industrialization, social movements, and even congressional debates and tax policy come to life. Subscribe to History That Doesn't Suck today and join me, Professor Greg Jackson, every other week for a new episode where I'd like to tell you a story.
1: At the same time, when you know the average age to die at is like 32, this still means that you're going to have someone who gets married at the age of 21, pops out four kids, and then is dead on the fifth.
2: The fifth of the month or the 25th?
1: (laughs) (laughs) The fifth kid is what I was referring to in that case, but could be the fifth year, you know. It happened, especially with deaths during childbirth. Very, very common. So essentially, all of this stuff, all these physical activities, everything that they were doing, it allowed them to not only get mates is the term I'm going to use in this case. Like, what else am I going to use to describe this? I think the
2: men joined the military at, like, their 20s. or
1: At the age of 20, they became uh, an official soldier of the state, yeah. But
2: they really would have to spend all of their 20s in the military. So even if they were married, it wasn't until their 30s that they can actually, like, come back and, like, have time with their wives. I think some men would sneak off. To, you know to meet their little
1: yeah yeah no, no lady no. they would
2: because they lived in barracks that's the other thing
1: just guys being dudes with other dudes who are away from their wives for years <laughs> at a time and they get lonely
2: wait we're, we're spartan men
1: oh it was greece gabby pretty much everyone was doing things like that yeah
2: huh so i could have a gal pal that's crazy sparta
1: what,
2: <laughs> what a place <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's that's what things were pretty much like right men and women were expected to marry like you had to marry because you had to procreate procreation was the really big important thing if you didn't marry and have kids then this meant oh, that you the, would they, not
2: they did not like it if you didn't get married Like absolutely that's, that was going against their culture because again They didn't care that much about, like, the family dynamic, but they did care about replenishing their military.
1: (laughs) You need the bodies. I don't care whether there's love between you two. You need to get to the diggity-doo so we can get the bodies out.
2: Literally, sexual relations within a marriage were for procreation. It was very—that was the point of it. That was the purpose. That is why you did it. Also, yeah. the late marrying age of Spartan women actually I think was pretty cool because the men that would be marrying would be in their 20s or 30s. So the age gap was not as big as like other city states you know in the marriages so oh yeah
1: when you have this older established like late 30s early no i, I don't even really say late 30s even if he's like, in his
2: 30s anything under the age of you know that's weird
1: yeah there's like this established person who's built up their their farm or whatever now and is going to get a young wife to stop start popping out babies
2: yeah so the spartan women actually got to avoid this good for them
1: yeah So all the stuff, essentially procreation, this was the most important task for Spartan women as it pretty much was for women around the world at the time. But there was an extra emphasis on this specifically because they needed to give birth to strong warriors. Like that was the entire purpose. Their marriage was specifically to create children. And so what they would do is they would shave their heads or typically they would shave their heads before marriage. And then they would keep their hair short while they were married which was a huge practice difference between, like, them and other Greek city-states.
2: Because military men, like, Greek military men, male soldiers, would shave their heads and keep it short. So, these women doing that, that was huge.
1: Yeah. No, so, it, I could
2: understand Athens or anybody else in the other city-states just looking at and being like, what is going on?
1: You know, maybe when the men would sneak back away from the barracks, they just, they wanted something familiar when they came home.
2: I mean, that too. I, I don't know their justifications here. I'm just, I'm just spitting the facts.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's the thing that we're talking about sneaking away. Because the other interesting detail is that they didn't live together. Men who were under the age of 30 were required to live in the barracks with the other men. So in order to see their wives, if they were married earlier, then these men would have to sneak back into their houses at night when they were not given leave to do so. So, I mean, I mean, can you imagine having to sneak into your own house to see your wife? Like, that is insane.
2: Here's the thing, though. Imagine how peacefully these people slept in their own beds.
1: Well, that and for the fact that they would only raise the sons till the age of seven, and then off to the yagogi they would go.
2: So, I'm guessing, okay, so these men were like, the 20-year-olds were in their like barracks because they were already in, in the army, and then the seven-year-olds went somewhere different. Because then they could just be like, hey, yeah. dad.
1: Well, that's the barracks because they're the soldiers. The Agogi is the school.
2: Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, that's the school for their training. Now, we've mentioned this a couple times for the importance of Spartan women to give birth. Like, that's that's been a large section of this entire thing. That whole role, that was not a light thing to just happen. Spartan people were typically buried without gravestones. You, you didn't really get much. The only people who would typically be offered a gravestone were men who died in battle and women who would die in childbirth. And so dying in childbirth was seen as a great honor as the woman was viewed as having died in the line of duty. Like it was the female equivalent of a warrior dying in battle.
2: I like that. It shows that they understood the sacrifice and they respected their
1: role. I mean, at some point, like she'd literally be fighting for her life.
2: I mean, yeah. Yeah. Back in the day? Come on.
1: Oh, you gotta... God. I want to do a podcast episode. No, on. I will now, not participate. I know. I know you won't. I might need to get a guest to do that rather than just talk it myself. What but I would guess? like, like,
2: hey, do you want to talk about childbirth practices throughout the ages?
1: I don't know. Just like if there's really weird traditions there around are. the world that go back historically, I would, I would want to just cover some of those interesting little details. There's a lot of trauma in there too. Yes, I know, but it, it, it's there. It's there.
2: If you're listening, you can't see my face right now, but I am not. I'm not for this at all.
1: Now, we have seen a lot of emphasis that were placed on strong children and strong men, which, of course, now we're talking about other disturbing things. It begs the question of what happened to those that were not strong enough, the so ones that were weak.
2: when these kids were born, they were examined to see, you know, their, what they looked like. Were they physically well? Did they have any deformities? And if they did, it was the mother's responsibility to dispose of that child. They, okay, and this is the part I saw my coworkers that really bothered them. They had to throw their children off a really high rock, and they did this to ensure a swift death. And one question that was posed, because I'm assuming these women had a lot of kids, because that was their point was to have a lot of children. Was there just a rock? Like just the killing rock?
1: I don't think it's necessarily just because the Killing Rock, but there would be a pre-established place, I'm pretty sure. I'm
2: assuming, but it has to take a lot for a mother to dispose of her child. Like I wonder how many women snuck their kids to another city-state or just someone to I don't take know. them out of there.
1: That's a good question. I cannot help but think that there would be some that, that obviously that would go through that extra mile to try and help or save the child, but also... For the the women who are raised in such a society, that that was the norm, and that was the brutality of it. I can't help but think that that would just be the norm.
2: I just I don't know. I don't. I feel like even the the mom who genuinely believes that they're doing what is best would try to save her kid, right?
1: You you'd think. You would think. I don't know.
2: As a mom, it's it's so hard to wrap my head around. And I know it's because I live in a different society in a different time, but that is. Crazy to me. A high rock? They didn't even sleep on my little poison. That would have been more peaceful, I think.
1: There's no guarantee the child wouldn't just throw it up.
2: Ugh. So, yeah, that bothered me a little bit. But good for the Spartan woman.
1: Yeah. On to a bit of a, a, a lighter topic than what that was. Like, if we're continuing to talk about the role of Spartan women in society and not just the role, but it was like what it is that they did in comparison to women in other Greek city-states, they were still bound by the rules of the other city-states when it came to some other practices. Like when all the city-states would get together for the Olympic Games. Because the Olympic Games would have very strict rules for participation, which meant that they did not allow women to participate at all. I
2: think some people even implied, some some writers, that... They weren't allowed to watch like some w- groups of women were not actually allowed to watch. I think married women could, but they weren't even allowed to like watch the games.
1: I can't even remember. I swear. I think you're right about something. If there's anyone oh, on pa- YouTube pa- that sees this
2: it's right there. Um, according to Pausanias. Uh, oh, Virgin, you had it from the notes here. Yeah, Virgin unmarried woman could view the games, but married women. Yeah, that's what it was. We're excluded.
1: Okay. So it was married women that were excluded from it. See, cause that's, I mean that's a very specific requirement. It's it's imagine going to a One Direction concert, right? And they're all dolled up in I guess this case olive oil. <laughs> Back in the day.
2: Okay, but I'm assuming that this <laughs> this rule probably came about, right? Because this is how I'm picturing this is going down. Like, you know that one TikTok audio? That's like um You know, are you dating? And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. We're just friends. Shut up. We're just friends. Like, you know, like me meeting Ryan Reynolds and my girlfriend says, oh, we're dating. Like, this is my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. That is what I'm assuming. Like, these women, they go, and it's all about physical fitness, right? And they're going to the Olympic Games. Come on. Yeah. You know, there's like some decked out competitor. Uh, Well,
1: Gabby, you know that most things at the Olympics, I'm pretty sure all of the events, or at least most of them, uh, they were done naked.
2: See? See what I'm saying? So when they were wrestling,
1: when they were doing the Greek wrestling, they were naked.
2: Well, it makes sense then because um, the Spartan women probably would have been that. They would not have been that phased. But other women in other city states would have been shocked. So it makes sense, right? The rules make a lot of sense. However, I would have loved to see it.
1: Just a bunch of (laughs) naked men covered in olive oil, lifting heavy rocks and throwing them and then wrestling each other and then racing.
2: Okay, you have got—unless you're going to yeah. throw an old-fashioned yeah. Olympic Games, you have yeah. got to stop describing it. Uh-huh,
1: uh-huh, uh-huh. I anyway. See. <laughs> yeah, I see how it is. I see how it is. So there, So this whole thing happens with the Olympics, right? But it was—if a person had to be there, and they were female, and they were not married or anything, they would have to be chaperoned. It was possible that fathers would accompany their daughters to the Games, There are cases where you would have people who were there, not actually necessarily even as spectators, but as ones who would also participate in the races. We'll we'll kind of explain this, right? There would be exceptions that would be given to certain people, such as when you had the priestesses of Demeter, who would sit atop the altar to the goddess during the games. The one area that saw actual female participation and I say participation more as a concept than actually being in it physically, is the equestrian events, like the ones involving horses. Because equestrian affairs were something that Spartan women were actually able to do very well in, which I find very amusing for a specific detail. Horsemanship was not famous in Sparta at all. In fact, when it came to cavalry with their military, uh, Sparta was one of the last states to adopt any form of it. And the ones who typically served in the cavalry were the old rich men who were too old or sickly or weak to fight on foot.
2: Well, yeah, but I think the Spartan women would, would train be the, the ones ho- raising the they, horses. Yeah, because they seem to understand horses. So they would train the horses and they would drive little like decorated carts that the horses pulled. This
1: oh yeah. The men weren't the ones taking care of any of the horses or no. They were doing the fighting and the other stuff with the other men. No, no. This is one of those duties that the women specifically would have been taking care of because I guess they were the ones not only were there to actually take care of the animals but also would understand them a little bit better.
2: And this brings us to the story of the first I guess the girl who participated. So the the you were very
1: games. excited to talk about this one. Do you want to go ahead and tell it?
2: Oh, you can tell it because I might. I don't want to mess it up. I think you have more of the grandeur for presentation. Oh,
1: the grandeur <laughs> for presentation. Well, if you want to hear it. So there is this story about... Siniska. Yeah, that is that how you pronounce the name? Siniska?
2: Siniska. I,
1: Sinisca. I, I'm going to say Siniska, right? Yeah. Okay. So you have this case of uh, the equestrian games at the Olympics where this... Skill that was associated with women with the horses made the Spartan woman called Sinisca the perfect candidate to enter the Olympic Games. It was very important to note that it was not her actually entering and racing on the chariot itself, like for the chariot event. This was the idea of her brother, uh, Ageselos or agil-
2: Agiselos.
1: Can you say that again?
2: I think it's Ageselos or Ag- Agiselos.
1: Cat and Jethro, Box of Oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the Box of
0: Oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media.
1: Considering what it is for Greek, I'd say uh, Agacillus. Maybe. Maybe. Because, like, a gogi. So perhaps that's what it is. But essentially you have Agacillas, right? According to some writers, Agacillas's aim with getting his sister to participate in the equestrian games with the horses that she had raised, she wasn't actually on the chariots racing them, but she's the one that, raised and bred the horses that participated with the riders that were then controlling them. But
2: he really just wanted her to participate so that he could prove that victories won in that way were a function merely of wealth.
0: So it Not wasn't actual skill. ability. Yeah. That's
2: the thing. He wanted to just show that anybody can win this if they're wealthy enough. It wasn't like all the other victories because he didn't think this one necessarily took skill. You just had to be wealthy enough to have the horse and the cart and the time to train, I guess, I'm not really sure what his point was, but he just wanted to show that she could do this because she was wealthy.
1: Yeah, the whole thing was, it's cool that she was able to do it. But the the, the bad thing about the story is that the, the entire thing is to point out, huh, look at how stupid this thing is. This doesn't belong in the Olympics. Even a woman could do it.
2: Pretty much. That is is
1: literally the idea behind it. So
2: it's not great how it came about.
1: No, it's not great how it came about. The fact that she won and that her name was then inscribed onto statues and was honored from then on out, that is a great thing. But this whole thing was done specifically as a means by which to shame the event because it did not actually matter. There was no skill to it necessarily for the individual competitor, it was who bred the rest, the best horse because they could afford to buy the best stud or whatever for it. So as you said, it was a matter of wealth, not anything else. So as that whole story goes, at least according to Plutarch, right, you had King Agislos who noticed that some Greek citizens were taking too much pride in breeding racehorses and would give themselves great airs in consequence. Basically means that they got too arrogant because, oh, ho, look at us, we have the best horses. So he persuaded his sister Siniska to enter the chariot team at the Olympic Games. Siniska entered her horses as early as possible and won in two successive Olympiads in 396 and 392 BC. And so according to Pausinius, Siniska had had longed to succeed in the Olympic Games, and she became the first woman not only to win the Olympic Games, but also to own race horses for it. Her quadriga, which, can I say, that is an awesome name. I love that. But it's literally just four-horse chariot. It's like the four-horse cart that would be carried. That was a massive testament to the huge wealth that she had. And thus, she and her contemporaries, the people around her, that is what you needed to be declared a winner. So again, this whole thing kind of comes from a guy going, and basically using his sister to shame other people for being wealthy. And that it wasn't actually a test of skill.
2: Well, I think what he went on to say is that even wealthy male racehorse owners, they didn't actually drive the horses themselves. Oh, yeah, they no, had they jockeys. just got jockeys. So she wasn't even present at the event, I don't think. Because women, That
0: is hilarious, Yeah, women were not
2: permitted to attend the game. So she was not actually there when she won. But she did get commemorative mon- monuments. Just like the men did.
1: I wasn't allowed to participate. I wasn't physically there. I yeah. didn't see it, but I got a statue.
2: But she, more than likely, I'm sure she trained the horses. and. Oh,
1: know. yeah. 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 It's just one of those things, when we go back to it, they could do things like this, but women were not typically permitted to attend the games, so she and couldn't. And they still
2: had to follow the rules
1: yeah. of oh. the other
2: Greek city states. Like, they couldn't just say, hey, we're Sparta, so we're going to show up. They yep, the whole event was sacred. It would have
1: turned everyone against them if they had done so. So, Sinisca's image that they created, it stood in a sanctuary. Uh, you had a guy called Apellas of Megara who designed a sculpture of her chariot, her horses, and the charioteer in bronze, as well as a statue of Sinisca herself. And these statues were then erected at Olympia, and they were the first monuments that were dedicated by a woman to commemorate victories at the Pan-Hellenic competitions.
2: And post posthumously 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 yes (laughs) that word has always been oh no i understand but she was awarded a heroine shrine in sparta
1: that is actually incredibly cool yeah so i mean other women this is this is i think the detail that i was thinking about earlier other women especially spartans would follow her example and Pausinius records this as being a trend. Some would manage to win some Olympic victories, but none of them were as famous as this lady was. And an example of that is a Spartan woman by the name of Euryleonis or Eurylonis. Euryleonis. I'm pretty sure it's Euryleonis. So, I mean, after those two women participated, there were others that would when you had the successor Greek states that would follow, like in the case of after Alexander's conquests. But really... At the end, there's not all that much that we can prove more definitively. It's
2: super fragmented. Like, oh, I incredibly. Yeah. did look. I mean, you have to dig through so many sources and then they're not, you can't really corroborate them. No. Across multiple sources. You just have to take it at face value. Like, they did participate sometimes, they did win, they were honored, but how common it was, how, I don't think every single woman, like, Women may have participated and not won. And then they're not sure if the women that participated participated in special events for other women or if they participated against men. So it's just, it's so unclear. But I did think it was really cool that there were women that participated and they did get honored. And I did want to include that, but it was just really, really hard. Of course.
1: And we have to be careful because th- this is something that I've always to had to tell people. I love covering different aspects of say women in history because the unfortunate reality is that there are way too many cases where stuff is simply not covered because it wasn't written down or the sources were lost and not nearly as much was done recording the actions, the deeds and the day-to-day experiences and things that we would want to know today about the women back then.
2: Like, and- obviously they were very important. They kept, society populated and going they kept it running but if no one was writing it down it's just really really hard to tell the stories
1: correct and then you have the people nowadays and this is why we always have to be careful and I'm glad that you did a very good job with going through and finding everything because if you want to look up women in x time in whatever and just pull up like a dozen different articles you are going to find any number of things that are filled with two types of things either something that is completely disregarding them or one that is yas queening everything that is just putting every half truth or little rumor detail of oh it could be like this guesswork that you can't really discern what is truth and what is not but it wants to put them a in a good light
2: Those, like at one point i had two articles that were basically covering spartan women but they were opposite, I guess, in a way.
1: Did one of them try to say that they also fought?
2: Yeah. Because it's like,
1: (laughs) you get the stuff like that.
2: I would understand why they would not let them, because they had to have kids. Like, you can't let the people who are going to keep your population going die in battle.
1: Technically speaking, you could have 10 men and 100 women. You will pop out the same amount of babies as you would 100 men and 100 women. Like, you can't risk the women on the front line because you specifically need them for creating the kids
2: and also they had to handle like all of the business yeah i mean the if, society would have collapsed they were actually able to participate in city planning
1: yeah though that's a huge detail and, like
2: local government like that is un, unheard of in other greek city states at this time like the women were not involved in any planning so spartan women did have they didn't have a lot of rights but It also had a lot of cost.
1: We've had to say a lot of things over the course of this podcast of like, and we have to be careful when saying this. And just please note, if you hear it for like the eighth time that we say it, it's because again, we do have to be very careful with this because there is a lot of both contradictory work and guesswork that comes into creating the repertoire of information that we're able to talk about.
2: I think what would be really cool is to look at the history of the Olympic games and then just Spartan society as a whole or Greek.
1: There's a lot more that we could do state. with a lot of this.
2: There is so much. Like I had so much information picking what went into this episode was so difficult. Like now I have no idea how you do this multiple times a week. For I multiple know, right? Podcast episodes. <laughs> I was, I was so overwhelmed that I pulled up every single like source read through them, went to bed, left it for two days. I went back to it. Like, okay, I dreamt that I could put some of this together in my head. Like, I just had to process it. I had to let it just ruminate. Like, it was a lot to just come at you at once.
1: But with that, I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you to everyone who has watched, who has listened. Again, if you have not checked out the uh, the History of Everything podcast YouTube channel, please do check that.
2: And make sure to get this month's book club pick because it's one of my yes. favorites. Tin can soldiers.
1: Yeah. Well, tin can sailors.
2: Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) I
1: did that once. I did that once in a video. I said tin can soldiers. I got so many people that were pissed off at me for that.
2: I mean, they could be soldiers who were sailing.
1: It's like, it it depends on the classification of what we're talking about here, because they'll say like, no, 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 no. it was, they were Navy. You know, They're, they're not soldiers. They're seamen i can see the look on your face i I
2: don't have a look on that this is my face
1: for anyone that's listening to this right now on on like apple or spotify or whatever you go to the very end of this right now and you look at my wife's face and you just see her
2: i'm not i've guys guys they wait navy men aren't soldiers What is the definition? I thought a soldier is someone who fights and people in the Navy fight. Th- this is
1: why when I've talked about stuff historically, this is why we're talking historically for like terminology. You before you could use See, a man, soldier rights too. Yeah, you could use a soldier or a marine, or you could use there's there's all kinds of different terminology depending on the time and place. I say soldier because I use it per the definition of like one who fights. Like in the case of warrior. But no, with the military, they're very specific.
2: See, that's my problem. I need to know more about the military. Maybe my next podcast will be a military history podcast. Oh, that'd be an interesting one. But anyway, thank you guys for listening.
1: Hope you all have a good rest of your day. And I will see you all next time.
0: Goodbye, guys. Bye.